Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today we're talking about practical happiness. And I want to start with a story. There's a Native American story that tells about how God gathered his animal advisors together to help him decide where to hide the secret to a happy life from humans. He first asked the eagle, where shall I put it? The eagle answered, I shall hide it at the top of the highest mountain. Man will never find it there. God considered this, but he decided against it. One day man will go there, he said. Next, he asked the clam, where shall I put it, little clam? I will hide it at the bottom of the deepest ocean, the clam said. This seemed like a better idea, but the Lord hesitated. Man will go there someday also. Then the wise old owl stepped forward. Though I regretfully cannot take it there myself, he intoned, perhaps you ought to hide the secret on the moon. After considering this, God finally came to the same conclusions as before. No, he said, there too man shall go. After some period of reflection, the humble opossum came forward. Perhaps, he said, so softly that he could barely be heard. The secret should be hidden in the heart of man. There was an odd silence among the animals. Finally, the Lord spoke. Yes, cunning opossum, that will be the last place man will look. This story reminds us of something that we already know, but are often reluctant to embrace, that our happiness is inside us. The challenge is knowing how to find it. This story is shared from the introduction of the book, Practical Happiness by Pamela Gale Johnson, who is here today with me on the show. So stay tuned because we are going to be talking about personal happiness, the individual nature of it all, and what makes you happy. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. the show, I have the founder of the Society of Happy People and the author of Practical Happiness here to support us in intentionally creating our own happy spaces. Pamela Gill Johnson is our guest, and she has helped people understand and expand and rethink their happiness mindset since 1998. And that was when she founded the Society of Happy People. And as a mostly happy person herself, the way this happened was She just started wondering, where are all the happy people? She decided that they needed their own tribe. And she would ask people, are you one of the tribe or would you like to be? And today we're going to talk about this. Of course, we want to be a part of that tribe. Who doesn't want to be a part of the happiness people tribe, right? That just sounds wonderful. She's also started Three Happiness Holidays. And her new book, Practical Happiness for Principles to Improve Your Life, is out and on the stand. So welcome, Pamela. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, we're excited. Let's teach us about happy. We always start with your story. So tell us where you come from a little bit, who you are, and how you became a happiness builder. 
Well, I, I'm originally from West Texas. I'm originally from Abilene, Texas. So I grew up there, went to college there. And if you're thinking of the map of Texas, there's the A Amarillo, which is at the top skinny part of Texas. Abilene is on that one highway out to El Paso at the tip of Texas. It's kind of in the middle of the middle of there. So I, I grew up in, you know, I think we had about 100,000 people, but we were like a regional trade zone, small, small community. And you can drive for hours and not see any much of anything. So I, I grew up there. Eventually, I made my way out of college where I was working for junior achievement, teaching kids about business, working in the nonprofit world into West Palm Beach, Florida. And so from my job at Junior Achievement, I then transferred into working in the self-help field. And that's probably, it was at the height of the self-help personal development movement, like Oprah, Jerry Springer, Dr. Laura. So it was like everything from radio to seminars to, to infomercials was, was really very focused on, on personal development or self-help. And so during that window, when I'm working in that uh, industry, I, I did really start asking, where are all the happy people? Because there was a lot of conversation about what made us unhappy. I was even teaching personal empowerment workshops at the time. So that's what really led, led me sort of down this path about happiness. It's not that in the society nor myself has ever like, oh, pretend you're not happy. You know, happiness is a choice some days, some days unhappiness or, or stress and chaos and fear and annoyances. They just happen and they'll zap away some of our happiness. So sometimes that's also part of our reality, but it's it's rarely do any of those experiences uh, put us in a day in which there's zero happiness. Might not be quite the same type of happiness, but it's rarely zero happiness. So that sort of, you know, sent me on this uh our original tagline was, are you happier than you admit you are? So this original like quest of let's try to make sure we're interjecting happiness in our conversation. And so how did that lead you to writing books and, and starting a tribe? What was the impetus? What, what did you want out of it? Well, it really kind of started when I was doing the um, empowerment workshops and people wanted me to do a newsletter. And at the time, you actually had to write your newsletter and it would go get typeset and then you sent to a printer and then you'd have to actually mail it in snail mail. There was not this wonderful world of the internet. So it was a very cumbersome task. And I was like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm really up for that, but I spent some time thinking, what would I put in the newsletter? And it dawned on me that Part of empowerment was about being able to laugh a little bit about maybe past lessons learned. So like if you were in the fifth grade and someone was mean to you, maybe you learned a lesson from that. Maybe you became nicer. Maybe you decided other people's opinions didn't matter. Maybe, you know, maybe it did something that made you better, but you might not have realized that till you were 25 or, you know, down the road you kind of laugh and you're like, yeah, so-and-so was a real jerk, um, but you kind of tongue in cheek it. So I was like, I want the back of my newsletter to have a humor column. So then I went back to that question of where are the happy people? And so I started seeing them stand around, chit chatting with each other. And then I'm like, you know what? They don't want anybody there raining on their parade. I was like, they have, you know, their own club. It's a secret club and they're wearing Marty Ross style masks and they're just chit chatting about happiness because they don't want to have any parade rainers. And then I sort of see a banner behind it that says Secret Society of Happy People. And I thought, what a great essay about a club where people just celebrate happiness. And again, not at the 
absence of things that make you not so happy, but just celebrate happiness. And I tell people about my essay and they would say, well, when are you going to join it or start it? I want to join. And so eventually about a year later, we, I started the society of happy people or secret society of happy people. We had that name for about 20 years. And then I decided we weren't such a secret. So that's when we dropped the secret part and just became society of, of happy people. But so we've kind of always just, you know, had this tribe. I, I laugh. A lot of people get very annoyed with their social media feeds and about how negative they say they're always negative. And I, I sort of laugh because mine's mostly positive, you know, unless somebody's going through a big, you, you know, somebody, somebody passed away or something like that, like, in, or they're having surgery. I mean, sort of personal, personal events. My feed's pretty positive. And I think it's because I've got this tribe around me that by and large is, is, is mostly, you know, mostly happy. So what does the Society of Happy People do then? What does that society spend their time doing? Well, we try to make sure we encourage people to recognize happiness when it happens. And so over the years and early on, we started, it was called Admit Your Happy Day. Now it's just Happiness Happens Day, which is August 8th. That started our first, the first year after we formed. It's like our birthday. That's how I see it. It's our birthday because we, so we got our first member. That expanded to Happiness Happens Month, which is now all of August. And then the third week of January is Hunt for Happiness Week, because after all the fun fall and holiday hoopla, we, we, you know, we can kind of go into a slump as we head into waiting for spring to arrive and we have to hunt sometimes a little harder for our happiness. So those are our problems. Can can anybody join it? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you know, if you join one of our, our social media sites, you you know, we, we try to avoid people judging other people's happiness. So, you know, unless somebody's doing something sort of inappropriate in, in that particular vein, we're pretty much happy when you're happy. So what I hear you saying is that what you focus on expands. We know that is just kind of a universal truth. And what you're doing is focusing on happiness and encouraging people to notice the positive good things that happen in their lives so that that's expanding. Yeah. So you notice more of it. And we do this with gratitude, but I think the, we, the society has 31 types of happiness. So we do it with gratitude. We talk about, you know, once you start noticing and being grateful for five things a day, it's easier to make that six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. I, I say that sometimes you can even expand, expand that. And because you're going to have some days, I consider myself blessed, blessed as a type of happiness on my worst days, but some days they're, they're just really worst. And so your gratitude could be low, but you could still find something amusing. You could still have a moment of being content. Like even in these, these days in which chaos reigns or something, you can still have these other little moments, even if you're not necessarily finding the gratitude that you would want to find. There's always a little magic in our days, isn't there? You know, with rare exception, I can't speak like if like I was talking to somebody earlier, like if I was in Ukraine right now and in one of the cities that's just getting bombed, I can't totally speak to that, but I would probably be, I suspect there would still be something that would make me grin probably when I found clean water or, you know, it might be something really quick, but I would be like, oh, I'm so, I feel so grateful and I'm, you know, relieved and, and some other types of happiness. Those, those, I define happiness as is anything really that makes you feel good. And so sometimes that's very relative. If you 
are exhausted and you go take a power nap that may, and you wake up feeling better and feeling good, that's happiness. Sure. Well, and I have found that in speaking with people who have even been, you know, living, lived in international places where there have been horrible wars and they've been stuck and they've been a hostage and that type of thing, there's still always magic going on, whether it's the kindness of someone to them or whether it's, you know, getting the bad guys passing them by, or, you know, whether it's just an appreciation, you know, in that moment of realizing how grateful they were for what used to be and how, you know, how much more they will continue. You know, there's always these little pieces of magic that if you focus on those instead of on the misery, you're going to be much more resilient and being able to cope. And I, I think those are little things that, you know, the reflection of the sun off a puddle in the middle of the road. Like if you can look at that and find the magic, then you use those happiness things start expanding, right? No, exactly. Because also the more you start noticing things like that, you know, mother nature is, is a gift. Every, every, it's just mother nature is amazing, whether it's birds or whether it's even seeing snowflakes or, or rain or the rainbow, it's, it's mother nature in and of itself. I say, if, if you're needing to have a good moment, just go take a short walk, even if it's just going and standing on, on the dirt and the ground and just connecting with that, you're going to feel a little bit better in most, most cases. Yeah. There's um, power in that for sure. Connection with the earth. Um, yeah. I want to say since 98, you have been on USA Today and Good Morning America, CNN, Fox News, People, Newsweek, NBC, ABC, CBS. What do you find as you are doing some of these big outreaches with people across the nation? What do you find the number one question is? I don't know that there's always a number one, one question. I, I think people often, I, I think that nut and bolts of it is we sometimes put the word happy in this big umbrella and we when it's really this array of a bunch of different feelings it's like i said so it's feelings when we feel good and we want to make happiness just like a one size fits all emotion and it's just much much bigger than that so i think if i'm being interviewed for something for happiness this happens month or anything else it's we're trying to get people to really expand that definition of what happiness is so that they can really recognize how much of a day that you actually feel good. I mean, sometimes I want to tagline stuff. You really are happier than you think you are. And, and it's actually, it's mental health month. And I did actually did a post about this on, on Facebook and LinkedIn this week so far. And I need to add Instagram in there, but basically, you know, I was saying when we talk about mental health, we also don't need to exclude happiness because sometimes somebody who has mental health challenges can be actually happier than someone who doesn't have mental health challenges because that person's looking for happiness. Happiness is part of our mental health. It is not the absence of mental health challenges, just like it's not the absence of, let's say you have diabetes or high blood pressure or you broke a bone and you're having to wait for it to heal. You're still going to have happy moments. Yeah, it's, it's not the absence of trial. It's not the absence of difficulty. Happiness is a state of mind. And one of the things that you really put across is that happiness is personal. So we can also say happiness is subjective, right? And you, you have four principles that you talk about in your book 
So it's four principles to improve your life. And the first one is that happiness is personal. So tell me a little bit about how you promote and teach that idea. Well, I think our society in part, it actually started with the text. They used to say, I believe it was, I, I'm going to miss the year. But once people started texting, and you probably had unlimited text, movie producers would know on Friday night how well the movie was going to be received because the people who went, the early adopters who went to see it first, would come out of the movie theater and text their friends. And then their friends would decide to either go see it because their friends were saying, great movie, go see it. Or they'd go, oh, none of my friends liked it, so I'm not going to go see that movie. And it would not have a great box office hit. So we started moving into this place of groupthink, probably definitely by 2000. But we started moving into the groupthink mindset. And now it's almost moved into competitive happiness. So we always have to remember that our happiness is personal to us. So our spouse may like something that we don't like. We may like something our spouse doesn't like or our friends or our family. And that's okay. Now, that doesn't mean that if your spouse wants to go see the ballet and that's not your thing you're like well that's not really my happy spot but you know it's important to them it doesn't mean you don't go do something to, that makes somebody else happy because there's other types of happiness connected with that love being one of them um giving being one of them you, just just sharing in that moment that human connection but you can also recognize that like, yeah, I'd rather be at um, a concert listening to my favorite band instead of the ballet. That's okay too. And if you're in a healthy relationship, that person's going to go with you to a concert sometimes because that's part of being connected to people. Well, so, and, and I think too, if I can just interject here, that it's, I think the space of just understanding and accepting that, like I give you permission to realize and accept that your happiness is personal to you, that you don't have to like the things other people like, and you don't have to um, hide the things that you like. I think the world is more colorful and brilliant and that we get so much more from our associations with people when everybody just brings what they're best at and the different colors that are about them and their personality. And that is defined by the things that they like, the things that make them shine. And I think that for anyone, if there are people out there who feel like, no, I can only like what everybody else likes. I can only like what is cool. Um, certainly that's a that's a cramp in real happiness and a misnomer for we all like different things. Skiing might make me happy, but, you know, hitting a good movie might make you happy. Or I, I work as a realtor and that's a commission based only job. And for a lot of people, that would be really nail biting. But it also allows me you know, freedom and with, with my schedule. And that makes me very happy. That's something that I need to function well. And so different things are going to work for different people. And also as we move into principle three, we'll, we'll, we'll play on this, but you know, that can also, can also change, but we always have to remember that we can sometimes end up raining on people's parades when we start questioning, you know, what makes them happy. And again, also that is part of that group thing, just because everybody else liked a movie or liked reading a certain book, you may or may not like that. And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's what energizes your soul right now. We have a lot of people who are struggling with different, I think they sort of people sort of feel post pandemic exhausted, so to speak. 
And sometimes they're feeling like, oh, I need to take a nap. And what they really need to do is go do that thing that really energizes their soul. That thing that makes them happy, whether it's a spa day away from the family and the kids, (laughs) whether it's going and hanging out with some girlfriends that just make you laugh or some guys going on a fishing trip just with their guy buds. And so they can have a weekend camping and just being guys, whatever it is that, that, you, that recharges you is, is your, you know, happiness is personal. And sometimes, like I said, I think we've in our group think society and in our competitive happiness society, we, we sort of forget to, to embrace that principle. about the book is we tell people stories and so we actually show these principles in action and we'll show you how diverse happiness is i have i have one business guy i talked to who talked about adult coloring and he actually posts his picture sometimes on linkedin he says they get a lot of likes but a lot of guys wouldn't admit they liked adult coloring you know and that's what makes him happy So make time for the things that personally charge you up, that fill your soul and and embrace whatever your happy is. I I love that. Um, Number two is understanding what a happiness zinger is, I guess. Is that what you call them? Happiness zingers or zappers? Yeah, we, we say happiness zappers are manageable. And so one of the things like happiness, we have 31 types of happiness. We created five types of happiness zappers because they, they're, they're a little bit different. Everything that makes us, that zaps our happiness, it takes them away. It's not all equal. So the first one I have is actually what I consider unhappiness. And it's usually connected to loss and grief. So it's a person or pet, that's the biggest. But there can also be, if your health changes, I, did you, do you actually like skiing? Did I get that right? Yeah. If you get to a place at some point, like let's say you hurt yourself and you hurt your knee or something and you miss a ski season, that's going to make you a little sad. That's going to zap a little of your happiness. Now, does it ruin your life? Probably not, but it can zap that happiness. There can be, there's a little loss maybe of, of the scheme for the season. So that can be helped. We can have estrangements from our friends and our family. Like we're going through something and we're just not on the same page with somebody and we may not see them for a while. And that can lead to some sadness for us. Sure. Can, stuff happens. Exactly. So that's unhappiness. Those are those things that you can't just snap your finger and make them go, go away. But then we go into things like stress. I think there's good stress, but there's also, I don't know anybody that doesn't experience some kind of stress. We all have to figure out what our stress management tools are. And those may change based on what the stressor is. So stress is a zapper, but we're, it's, it's part of our life. And again, we either manage it, we identify it and manage it, or it manages us, as, as I like to say. Then there's fear. Now, I do preface this. Let's say your house is burning down. Obviously, you need to call the fire department and, and get out of the house and, and take appropriate actions. Or if, you're, if somebody's physically hurting you or emotionally hurting you, you need to take appropriate actions for that. But a lot of our fears are between our temples. So it's somebody who says, Oh, I I really do want to ski, but I'm too old or I'm too something or I'm scared I'm going to fall or or whatever it is. They miss that. Fear is this bridge to regret. There's very few things that you're going to try, even if you fail at them, that are going to be life defining. You're going to move through them. But the act of trying 
gives you confidence. I talk about happiness. It gives you courage. And you may discover something that you love that you wouldn't have discovered otherwise. So our fears stop us from doing a lot of things. And then there's chaos. We all deal with deal with chaos. I, I, I'm staying with a friend and they have Airbnb units. And I when I got home from the office yesterday, one of the units was dealing with a flooding issue. And we you know had to go and get that resolved until the plumber could come. And so there's a couple hours of chaos there, but chaos is temporary. The actual moment is happening. It can be frustrating, intense and stressful and, and a lot of things, but again, usually temporary. And then the final one is annoyances. And I do feel we have the most control over this. Those are the things that sometimes people will let take their happiness for a whole day. So maybe you go get your morning coffee and the barista is not as polite to you as you think they should be. And you go repeat that story to 10 people. I promise you, most likely a month from now, you won't remember it, but you definitely won't remember it a year from now. And so my question on annoyances is always, will you remember this a year from now? And if the answer is no, you just need to let it go now. Put it in your God box, go do kickboxing, go shoot some basketball, whatever it is for you <laughs> of how you let go of stuff. But if you really won't remember it, don't let it zap your happiness all day. Just try to, you know, try to move through it. Do you find that knowing what these happiness zappers are, just an awareness of them allows you to accept them, you know, that they're a part of life. So it just sounds like we're, we're just naming some of the things that can go wrong in living, but are there actual ways that you suggest managing them or it's just an awareness that that's a part of the process? No, I, I actually, we actually, in the book, we have what we call a zap map, which is a zapper management action plan. And that plan is going to be fluid. And again, like happiness is personal. The way we manage our zap map will be personal based on the zapper and based on us and based on extenuating circumstances. But the first part is to identify it, identify which category it's closer to. And one of the reasons for that is there's a vast difference in how you manage the loss of something and grieving something. And like maybe you're doing a job search you didn't want to do because your company shuffled things up and you're not job hunting. There's a vast difference in how you manage that and how you manage your spouse saying something to you that annoyed you. Number three is, is one of my favorites. It's, it's my favorite of the four app, actually, because it's happiness changes as we change. And I think yep. the reason that it's my favorite is because I have noticed that the things that made me happy in my 30s, that I'm actually in my 50s now. And like the things that make me happy are different. And it's so weird because I didn't know that was going to happen. It's very unexpected to me to think like, why, what happened to me? Like, where, where, where's that person I used to be, you know? And so I think that's a really big part of life. But I think, again, just the acknowledgement of it, that what made you happy yesterday might not make you happy today. What made you happy last year might not make you happy this year. Like it, it's going to change. And that that's kind of cool. Exactly. And I think one of the re ways people get stuck is they keep trying to recreate past happiness. Let's say you have a family vacation spot and you go on a vacation there every single year with your family, even though it's the same place 
it is not going to be the same experience because the people who show up each year will have changed and grown. We can't necessarily recreate the exact same happy experience. And so when we keep trying to do that, when we say, oh, I used to love golf. Well, maybe you did love golf when you were 25, but maybe you reach a place that you're like, hey, I don't want to be even riding in a golf cart when the temperature is 110 outside. That's just hot. I would rather be indoor swimming or I would rather be doing reading a book. Tell me about number four. Happiness is bigger than you think. Well, number four is based on the society's 31 types of happiness. So actually your listeners can go to SOHP.com slash gift and download our 31 types of happiness counter. So that's SOHP.com slash gift. They'll get the counter. And I always challenge people. We don't have time to cover all 31, but I always challenge people take the last two hours of your day and go in and count how many times you experienced that type of happiness. Go in and, 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 and most of the time, with rare exception, people will have more happy experiences than they thought they did because we cover everything from feeling value to relief to amuse. So to some that you, know, you might not just immediately um, say that's a type of happiness. So most of us, and in the book, we give you stories, not that that's going to be how you would define being amused, but that's how somebody else did. So we give you stories to help you, it's a kind of a catalyst to help you better relate to a different type of happiness so that maybe you notice it more in your, in your life. So I think the stories are the bridges of this mm. book that help people Always. live it. Why do you think people are often so unhappy? And what is your top piece of advice for mental well-being? Well, I think while you have to acknowledge happiness, it's equally important to acknowledge when things, you know, when things aren't right. So I think the reason people are unhappy is we either get stuck way too much in one bucket or the other bucket. So we either try to pretend the happiness zappers aren't happening or we get so engulfed by them and consumed by happiness zappers that we just forget that anything good is, is also happening. And so what we're trying to do is find that balance. I mean, and hopefully your scale tips a little bit more to have a little more happiness than happiness zappers, but you may have a day you have more happiness zappers than, than happiness. But again, you're just ultimately trying to find that balance. And I think that's what most people struggle with. And so the top piece of advice for mental well-being then is to Pay attention to all of the different types of happiness. Notice how much it is there and try to balance the happiness zappers with all the good stuff. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, I think my top piece of advice is you need to manage your happiness zappers and know they're manageable. Look at them that way. Don't view them as you're a victim to them. View them as I can manage this and I'm going to create a plan to do it. But, you know, own it because when you don't own it, it becomes a magnet. You attract more of it. And realize that happiness is bigger than you think. And there's probably more of it in your life than you're acknowledging if you're not actively doing it, but they both coexist. You know what? I, I really agree with that. Cause I've noticed that in people who someone I know is in particular, I'm thinking of has been really down, had a rough couple of years and you know, that they're depressed and, and I'll keep pointing out all the good things that are going on in their lives and they can't see it. 
You know, they're like, no, you know, like, I don't think, of course, they don't want to stay in an unhappy space, but they feel there's either an expectation that everything's going to be really cloud nine and, you know, you're living really high or else you're just not happy. And so I think this balance that you're talking about is great because there has to be a managed expectation. I was going to say, when you look at those 31 types of happiness, what you may challenge your friend to do is just to stair step it. I have a friend who um, calls me all the time and screams that she's, she's, um, she hates life and she'll never be happy. And I'm like, let's not go for happy. Let's just try to go for maybe where you're neutral on life. Let's go for content. Mm. So sometimes it's about stair stepping it. Sometimes it's relief. Sometimes it's satisfaction. You cleaned out a drawer and that Mm. can give that person that moment. They felt better than the previous moment. So maybe with your friend, try to help them redefine happiness to Let's feel a little bit better this moment than you did last, your last moment. And we'll just keep stair-stepping you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, where can people find you? You can find us at SOHP.com. And on there, you'll see Happiness Happens Month links and links to check out uh, Practical Happiness. We're in all the bookstores. You should be able to get, get the book there. And uh, hopefully you guys will join us to celebrate Happiness Happens Month in August. Absolutely. And... All her contact information will be in the show notes at loveyourstorypodcast.com. Thanks, Pamela. Thank you for having me on. Our brains are hardwired to quickly recognize and help us get away from things that can hurt us. This goes back to our caveman days when we had to protect ourselves from gigantic, hairy, scary creatures and such. Our brains have evolved to help us recognize danger and to keep us safe. It's part of the self-preservation. And that's why it's always easier and maybe even more natural for us to see what's wrong in our lives before we see what's right. But in this discussion today, I, I think one of my main takeaways is that things going right can be in a lot of different sizes. You can have things go right in really small ways and in really big ways. And if you can notice and recognize all of those, your happiness quotient is going to go up because you're noticing and focusing on, like we're talking about, what you focus on expands all the pieces of magic that are out there for you. Having a positive outlook oftentimes requires a conscious effort until it becomes a habit or our go-to mindset, um, overcoming that, that negative predisposition of focusing on what might hurt us. I hope that makes sense. So practice this mindset. Look for what is going right. Your challenge for this week is just this, to look for what is going right in your life right now. Like we talked about, all different sizes, all different shapes, take a look at, and if you are a long ways from happy, take those steps that we're talking about. Start with contentment. You don't have to shoot to happy right now. Take five minutes sometimes this week and write a list of all the things that make you smile. Just things that are very specific and particular to you. The stuff that makes you happy. Then I want you to put this list someplace where you can see it regularly. Make sure that you are including 
those happy things in your days, the stuff that makes you happy. Maybe even this is, maybe this is a sticky note on your mirror type of exercise, stuff that makes you happy and then find places to put those things into your day. Maybe it's talking to my best friend makes me happy. So you find an extra five minutes to do that, check in with her. Or maybe it's, you know, reading a story to my child is a really peaceful, happy time for me. So I'm going to make sure that that happens today. Look for the good, acknowledge the good, celebrate the good, enjoy the good, heck, roll around in all the good and find those happy spaces because what you focus on will expand. I know I say it all the time, but you know what? Write that on your mirror and then look at what you're focusing on. Please share this podcast with all the people in your life that could use a happy thought this morning. It's easy to hit share on your podcast app and just text them a copy super fast, lets them know you're thinking about them. It creates good in the world. So do a little good by sharing the good. Remember, all the episodes are also on loveyourstorypodcast.com. So you can, you can scroll through them, decide which ones you want to listen to. If there's one you've missed or one you want to share, there's reviews for the podcast. And there's also a link if you want to buy a copy of Life, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, the 21 Life Connection Challenges. I will see you in two weeks for our next episode of the Love Your Story podcast. Create your best life story on purpose.